Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised... Press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. So, Anya, what did we watch? Well, Kevin, we watched the uh, fifth episode of the first season of the Hardy Boys slash Nancy Drew Mysteries, a.k.a. The Disappearing Floor, which first aired March 6th, 1977. That was over two months before the premiere of Star Wars, a film which had great special effects that revolutionized the industry. So, I, I think you're pointing that out for... Uh... No reason. No reason. It's not like there's a lot of really dumb green screen work in this one. And the special effects in Star Wars were done uh, on a relatively low budget. It's really amazing what you can do on a low budget if you're uh, creative and know what you're doing. If you're creative, you put in hard work, time, thought, care, give a shit. There's no limit to what you can do. <laughs> but anyways, we digress. Because <laughs> obviously that has nothing to do with this particular program. No, 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 no. Jesus, this guys, this episode is a fucking trip and it starts off as a good trip and then it kind of like you kind of get a little nervous and then it's suddenly a really bad trip. <laughs> I can't tell if you're laughing or weeping. Uh, who knows? Who's to say? Maybe we're maybe I'm just a hologram. <laughs> maybe we all are. You see, you're getting ahead of yourself. You're giving some spoilers. 
<laughs> oh, I don't want to spoil this uh, masterpiece. So, okay, so this show starring... Oh, so first uh, of all, I Park, don't... No, starring Parker Stevenson and Sean Cassidy as the Hardy Brothers. The Hardy Brothers? Hardy Brothers. <laughs> it's a well-known the, the Hardy Brothers mystery. Hardy Bros. What were you going to say? I was going to say I don't understand the premise of the show. Mm. There are two relatively young men living with their father and their housekeeper i'm not clear no 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 no, no. housekeeper their aunt lives with them as the housekeeper right i don't think she's a housekeeper i think she's just the aunt (laughs) you you think women have to work in the household to to earn their keep (laughs) she just lives with them and she's in the in the initial books which came out in the 30s and 40s she's basically the spinster aunt who lives with them but in this, she's just an aunt who lives with them. Doesn't matter. So what are, are they in high school? Are they in college? What are they doing? Do they have jobs? The series, it seems ambiguous, but I guess we could kind of speculate based on the original source material and based on context clues. So I believe, I believe both actors were in their 20s when this was made. Is that? Okay. That's what I think. I mean, I don't know. Uh, You're the Sean Cassidy expert. I'm not a Sean Cassidy expert. What the fuck? You're the one who went to a Sean Cassidy concert. What's your point? You weren't even born yet. What was I supposed to do? You blaming me for not bringing you? Yeah, you just went and thinking I would want to go even though I didn't exist yet. <laughs> what a trippy argument. So so they, 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 they kind of seem like you could make an argument. You can make a couple arguments. Well, in this series, they seem to never go to school. That would indicate that they're both out of school. They have no school to go to because and they don't. I'll, I'll and, 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 and they don't seem to have any jobs. They, they seem, seem to, to have, have lots well, of free time. So people. So one thing that you sort of overlook with this is that, you know, a lot of people have their kids work for them after they graduate high school. They don't go to college. They just go into the auto business. They go into the mechanic business. They go into the family bakery. So that that very well could be is what ha- you know happened here where they both graduated from high school and were like, Dad, we want to be investigators too. So he's like, okay, you guys can be working at the the Hardy firm or whatever the hell. He's you know he has his own private eye business. But what you're overlooking is the fact that in other episodes that we've seen, but we haven't inflicted on people yet, they're doing they're just out cruising around, not doing anything involving their dad. Like they, oh, we have a friend who goes to college where a bunch of kids go missing. Let's just drive over and say, how do you do? What you maybe fail to conceive of here is that throughout throughout the series, they seem to be getting acclaim for what they do. They're basically mystery influencers, you know, before that was a thing in the seven, you know, in the seventies and people, they have a reputation that precedes them. So maybe they make so much money from this that they just kind of get to dick around a bit. Well, I think you're neglecting... (laughs) to take into account is there's never any indication that they receive any monetary awards for solving a case. They just do that the goodness of their hearts. Kevin, Kevin, they don't show them shitting either or like, you know, banging chicks. But just because you don't see it in the episode doesn't mean it can't happen. I think at the end of this episode, (laughs) Sean Cassidy bangs a chick. It's it's, it's discreetly off screen. He does it when her dad's in the house. (laughs) He's all, why don't you come downstairs? Granddad. Granddad. Granddad's in the house. (laughs) And he says, hey, why don't you come downstairs and look at my lab? Hmm? And she says, oh, sure. There's nothing I'd love more than to see a crude lab set up by an amateur (laughs) in his dad's basement. And they go downstairs, and then Parker Stevenson looks at a girl sitting next to him. I'm glad that uh, old Sean Casty's getting a chance to share his interests with somebody. And they smile knowingly at each other. He's down there having sex with this girl while the granddad's up there uh, having tea with his father. Well, you see them successfully complete case after case in areas where the dad is getting paid. So you can assume that money exchanges hands. Perhaps you don't see that happening because it's not particularly interesting. If they're making so much money by solving all these big cases, why don't they strike out on their own instead of just hanging out with dad all the time? Maybe they enjoy working for their father. You're not going to work for your dad. <laughs> old man Greenlee. I don't see you working for old man Kane. That's because he's a doctor and I would kill people. 
I can't just I can't go and tag along and be like, all right, I'll, I'll inject this one. I'll put him down cold. People, I would become a serial killer. I'm seeing something similar is happening here. He's an investigator. He says, oh, why don't you follow this very dangerous man? Just see what happens. And they're like little kids. They're like little boys. You don't know That's how not unprofessional. Are. That's very unprofessional. If they're teenagers, then this is incredibly unprofessional. If they're if they're in their early twenties, it's still somewhat unprofessional. But if they if they're like doing a family business thing, I can excuse it. If it's if they're teenagers, I think certain labor laws and child protect. I mean, call CPS essentially because he's putting these kids in danger. So it it, it all depends on the age, and it's they don't make it clear. They make it ambiguous because they don't think they even want to deal with that. Let me ask you this hypothetical situation. You have a mystery you want solved. Don't think you can do it yourself. You decide to hire a renowned private detective. You hire him. You pay him a professional fee to do the job. And then you find out he just sloughs it off to his two know-nothing sons who were just digging around the house all day. They're like sitting in the house playing chess. And he comes in and says, hey, I want you to do this case for me. Yeah, okay. I mean, in fairness, Kevin, they solve every mystery that comes in their path in the show. So saying they're no-nothing kids seems a little bit dismissive and reductive. But I will say, if I didn't know anything about them, their reputation didn't precede them, I would probably be pretty unimpressed. You say they have such a great reputation. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But there's a couple of moments in this episode where they see something that other people don't believe. And they, they say, oh, you, you're just stupid kids. Well, this is episode five, in fairness. They're just starting out. I, here's the thing. Here's what I'm thinking. If you, if your dad was a famous detective and you had this cool job, you got to solve all these mysteries, and you yourself, you being, you know, Kevin, a smart gentleman, you are. I am being Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. You, <laughs> what a smart thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, being Kevin, that's I what you'd expect. I am being Kevin. Yes. Okay. And, uh, and basically, and you, you know, maybe you looked up to your dad and you also wanted to feel smart and be a detective and do all these cool adventures and show how smart you were. Wouldn't you be kind of pissed off if your dad was like, fuck off, you'll never work for me. Get the fuck out of here. Wouldn't you be a little, wouldn't, wouldn't that be kind of, he has all these cool adventures and he won't even clue you in on it or include you at all. Won't you, wouldn't you feel a bit resentful? It would teach me something about the confidentiality between a detective and his clients. <laughs> I, if I hire a detective, I don't want him to go around Go home and say, guess what happened to the office today, boys? <laughs> oh, Kevin Greenlee came in. Look, you never guess what crazy problem he's having with his wife. Do you want to enlighten me on what crazy problem Kevin Greenlee is having with his wife? Do you want to elucidate? Uh, see, and then the thing is, you're your dad. <laughs> Your, your dad is a successful physician, yes. and you respect him, but you're going to make your mark in another field. Well, it, even if I wanted to be a doctor, you know, and I, that I've been decent at science and math, which I very much was not, you know, I don't think you, the, the business doesn't work the way anymore where you can just be like, all right, come to the hospital with me. I'll get you set up. <laughs> like You have to, like, you, it's, there's a formalized process that sort of, you know, it doesn't completely kill out nepotism like that, but, like, I would have to apply for a residency at his, you know, it, it would be, it would, it, it's not as simple as just show up for work and we'll get you started. Well, shouldn't Mr. Hardy have some sort of, you know, boys, I'd like you to be successful private investigators, love for you to work for me, Hardy and sons. Maybe go get some training. Maybe I'll go to a police academy Get, know what you're doing. Don't just go out and trail dangerous people because I tell you to. Yeah, that that's a fair that's a fair criticism. You go, go to college, study forensic science, study the latest techniques by working in law enforcement, do do a stint at the FBI, then come back with that knowledge. No, I mean that's a fair criticism. Thank you. And I think that's something they're going to need if they're going to figure out what the problem that Kevin Greenlee is having with his wife. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to need really experienced detectives, really experienced therapists. <laughs> A whole squad. Mr. Police, you could have saved her. Ani gave you all the clues. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving snowman-esque messages all over the place. Kevin doesn't know how to deal with it. 
Good Lord. Um, so, but, you know, in the, in the book, in the books, the dad, for some reason, it feels more like the kids are doing their own thing, even though the dad does clue them in. At least in some of the early books, they kind of, it's more like they're like, we were driving on the road, and then we saw some guy who almost hit us when we were motorcycling, and then we got into a fight with him, and then we followed him, and then it turned out they, it was part of some sort of, like, smuggling operation. So it's like, you know, they, they're kind of finding, they're enterprising, they're finding their own work. Sometimes the dad clues them in and is like, let's go to Mexico to look into this weird shit. But sometimes it's the kids. And this, the series is much more focused on the dad bringing them items to look through. And, and so it does change the so why So why do you suppose uh, the esteemed television producer Glenn A. Larson made that choice? Now, I don't know if this is true, but that's not going to stop me from repeating it to our five listeners. Uh, my understanding was, and I'm, I'm wildly speculating here, to be clear. You know, I, I heard that the, the Stratmeyer Syndicate people, when this was made, they, like, the producers almost agreed to keep it very wholesome. You know, like, like they wanted, like, they they didn't want it to get all sexed up, you know? And I almost wonder if having the dad be, like, such a presence here was almost an attempt to be like, oh, look, they're good, clean-cut kids. They're always doing what their dad tells them. You know, like almost like kind of not be super countercultural. I don't know, just an idea. Maybe not. Well, at the same time, in the original Nancy Drew books, uh, her father is kind of a hard-hitting, tough attorney, really, really the man in charge. But in the TV series, he's like vaguely effeminate, weak, he has his office above like a hardware store. Kevin has, this, <laughs> Kevin has a fixation on Carson Drew, the character in general, and and uh, hates the TV. Carson Drew loves the insane, vaguely sexualized uh, movie Carson Drew from the '30s. And isn't that closer to how you pictured Carson Drew? To be honest, I didn't picture him in a lot of <laughs> at all. <laughs> you just want attorneys to be seen in the best light. As you say, I want I want them to be seen in as realistic as light as possible, which I'll grant you is the best light possible. Everybody loves an attorney. <laughs> you can't even say that with a straight face. Maybe the problem between you and your wife <laughs> is your your sense of denial about how attorneys are viewed <laughs> in society. <laughs> you know what, you, what? What? Tell the audience what you call what you say about attorneys. Your line. I say we always do our best to find justice for people. That's not what you say. <laughs> That's exactly what I say. I don't know what you're talking about, you Mrs. Say, Greenlee. You say lawyers are princes among men. Get a load of that, folks! <laughs> oh, my God. So, okay, so... What, what the fuck were we even talking about? We're getting more turned around than the Hardy Boys in this episode. We haven't even started to discuss the plot of the episode. No, no, that's always a bad sign when when we're like we're like sixteen minutes and haven't even touched the plot. So let's dive into this. I watched the whole thing. I'm not sure I really understand the plot. Oh, I remember the scenes, and I was I was paying attention. So you know what happened, but you don't know why. Yeah. So I think I. Well, it doesn't matter. It's a stupid plot. But basically, uh, at, at at the place called Alphabet or Alpha... Well, let's start with the opening scene. Okay, yeah. Where the Hardy brothers, as they're known... The known, brothers Hardy. They're, they're, they're sitting in their homes. Uh, in their homes, they're two separate homes. It's a split screen. <laughs> they're sitting in their home. <laughs> Jesus Sean Cassidy is wearing a very distinctive shirt that's blue with a white stripe down the arms. You said it reminded you of something, didn't? Or like that was like a shirt that was popular in the seventies. I didn't say oh, anything. I, 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 I thought you were indicating that at one point. <laughs> I just said it's a distinctive I had that shirt. shirt. I'm wearing it right now. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I was. Confused. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you don't pay. You don't pay any attention to me at all. That's one of the reasons I had to go to the detective. <laughs> 
So I stopped confusing your shirts. Uh, he's wearing this very distinctive shirt, and uh, he's playing, I, is it checkers or is it chess? They're playing chess, the game of kings. And uh, Fenton Harvey Hardy comes in and says he's working on a case with Cold War implications. <laughs> There's some scientist. Uh, he's gone missing, I believe. And he may be being pursued by the Soviets. Well, that sounds like a movie I heard of. Or perhaps being pursued by the Chinese. And Sean Cassidy says that reminds me of a movie. And the movie, of course, is a well-known Chinese-Russian spy thriller, Casablanca. <laughs> <laughs> and to be clear, he says this with the biggest, dumbest grin you could imagine on anyone's face. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, it just, it, and like you almost expect Fenton to look downcast and just leave the room. And, and for, for Parker Stevenson, he's like, stop, stop trying to impress Dad with your film knowledge. It's just not... It's not so so out. My, my question is, why even include that? Why make a reference to a film that you obviously haven't seen if you're the scriptwriter? That reminds me of a, actually kind of a funny romantic uh, comedy, uh, Bridge Over the River Kwai. <laughs> <laughs> why could why couldn't you say oh, that sounds like something out of a movie? Why specify a movie that has none of those elements in it? I, it's it's almost like he, they they watched Casablanca, and the dad talked about how it was like the movie that meant the most to him and, and their dead mother because the mother is dead in this version even though she's not in the books, and uh, you know Joe fell asleep during it but wanted to convey that he saw it and appreciated it and and did it in the worst way possible. But otherwise, I, I don't know. It was very, it was, and, and it was delivered in such a way that drew attention to it. It wasn't like a throwaway, like, oh, yeah, Casablanca. We have, we have, we have, we have, Casablanca! Oh, boy! I love that tight movie. close-up of Sean Cassidy. I love all those aliens in Casablanca! <laughs> <laughs> and so we'll always have Paris <laughs> before it got destroyed by the fucking aliens. <laughs> Before those Chinese and Russian spies came in. So then he says, boys, I, we really need to track down this missing scientist. Why don't the two of you, this may have international complications. If the slightest thing goes wrong, it could trigger World War III, resulting in the deaths of millions. So I want to put it in the hands of my little boys. Aww. Also, you know, I'm going to say the spies out there nowadays from Russia and China... Those guys make James Bond look like Snoopy. <laughs> so I guess like permanently fighting the Red Baron and sleeping on what top an, of his what house. An odd, what an odd thing for you to say, Anya. <laughs> well, we're not going to explain it, that's for sure. I, I did, I, it's certainly an odd remark. <laughs> going to add that to my records to uh, share with the detective. Now, Kevin Greenlee, you, sir, know for a fact that that is the comparison that Fenton Hardy himself made in this episode that I'm referencing. Uh, okay. Yeah, I remember that. You and your fucking gaslighting. <laughs> I feel like you could make, like you could gaslight your relatives by watching this and then just when they reference the weird details and it'd be like, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I want the two of you to follow a man who works, who, who at least in the past worked at the company where uh, this guy went missing. And this guy who you're betraying is Officer Hoppy Hopkins from Sanford and Son, who's now become a scientist. <laughs> so f I was understanding all that. Did, did Hoppy Hopkins seem like he'd be a good scientist in, in Sanford and Son? He he seemed on Sanford and Son, which was a much more sophisticated program than this. Oh yeah, yeah. He was dumb on Sanford and Son, but a dumb man on Sanford and Son would be a brilliant man on this program. <laughs> Twenty IQ points higher. Yeah. Yeah, I've only seen one episode of Sanford and Son with the couch, and I, I can. I can. Is that your nickname for me? 
You the yeah, I, I watched it with the couch. You're a weird man, Kevin. Why do you want to be the couch? I don't know. You, you said, well, I watched it with the couch. The episode with the couch. I don't know what the fuck it's called. I've only seen Sanford and Son once. What were your impressions? It was pretty dated and offensive comedy, but it, it had a certain... But other than that, it was pretty good. Well, it had a certain comedic timing that was that still held up, so I could see why you liked it, even though it was kind of like, you know... <laughs> They really think being gay is quite funny. <laughs> that certainly did not age well, but some of the like some of the dynamic between the dad and the son. Did. He loved Red Fox. Yeah, he was funny. I mean, he was legitimately funny. But again, like, I think your mileage varies on how amusing you find uh, that kind of humor. So Hoppy Hopkins is in a truck. And the Hardy Boys are expertly following him at a distance of, like, two feet. Yeah, like, tailgating him. <laughs> and thinking, oh, yeah, we're doing really good. He has no idea we're following him. But somehow, Hoppy Hopkins gives them the slip because the Hardy Boys... Why don't you explain this particular twist? He turns off down a dirt road on the side of the road, and they follow him. And then a... Uh, UFO, glowing UFO, fills up the sky in front of them. And they look up and they start freaking out. And then at some point it comes towards them and they actually stop the car, stop their van, their kind of creepy van, and they uh, both uh, roll out of their respective doors and fall on the Which ground. sometimes looks cool when people do that. But not this time. <laughs> And uh, then they, you know, they try to take a picture of it, and it uh, doesn't show up on film. Oops. <laughs> and if you're wondering, wait, did you guys accidentally just like turn the channel to like the History Channel while you were watching this? Nope, this is the episode, folks. Strap in. And the special effects, you know, obviously. Today, a person using an iPhone could do something much better than this phony UFO and certainly much better than the special effects we see later in the episode. But uh, I went to high school in the 80s, and I was a member of our little high school's little TV staff. Oh, you're one of the little nerds. <laughs> and, and our little TV studio in the 80s, which had almost no money, no equipment, I feel we could have done and did do better UFOs and better chroma key or blue screen effects than we saw in this episode. It's really embarrassing. So we're, we're, are you going to sue the uh, creators of Stranger Things for ripping off your life story? Strange goings-ons in Indiana with an <laughs> AV club. <laughs> TV club, not AV club. Oh, I'm sorry. That okay. Totally different. So what's the difference between a blue screen and a green screen, or is there no difference? Basically the same. Basically just, the just same. Just a chroma key effect. Okay. Yeah, lot. We're, we're gonna see more of that, folks. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty bad. But like, I don't, I, I mean, I don't give a shit about that. To me, it's like, like you could still. To me, the 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 central failing of this show is always the writing. It's always written in the way to be the dumbest thing possible. Anytime they could kind of is like 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 a kind of a, a a little bit of a clever twist or a clever decision or a clever line of dialogue is right within reach. It's a low hanging apple on the tree of writing, and they're just like, eh, let's just pick off this like shit that already fell on the ground and rotted months ago. I mean that that that's what they do. This is the Hardy Boy slash Nancy Drew. What do you expect? To me, the worst thing about the show is always this really dramatic close race. Is it the writing? Is it the acting? Is it the production values? It's always like a photo finish. To me, though, the production... You, if you have good, sharp writing, production values are going to take away from that. But if you have great production values and the writing sucks, it's like, it's like tell a good story. And they just can't do that. They don't know how. <laughs> no one ever taught them. What do you think about the acting? <sighs> I mean, I kind of like that... I kind of like the back and forth between Parker Stevenson and Sean Cassidy. They like kind of feel like they kind of like you know bug each other the way brothers do. 
but I mean, generally, no. I mean, and like, and also all the like all the side people too. Or it's everyone's, everyone's kind of. It's just not there, you know, in a very seventies way. But again, like as long, I mean, I don't really. It doesn't need to be Lawrence Olivier, you know. Like it, it to me, the right they don't really. No one has anything to do. What are you supposed to do with a fucking UFO coming at your van? I mean, that's just stupid. And you and we know it's not going to be a UFO. We know it's going to be some mystery, some hologram, or some bullshit. But like, it, it's sort of no, nothing. Nothing that happens is ever a surprise. That's my that's my thinking. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Like I when I read this when I read this summary. When you read the summary to me when we were picking what episode to do, and it was like, UFOs meets the Hardy Boy. I was like, oh my god, it's ancient aliens, Hardy Boys crossover, let's go nuts. And then it's never quite as balls-to-the-wall crazy as you want it to be. You know, you want it to be, you want it to be like a slapstick, ridiculous mess. You don't want it to be like... So you felt this episode was too realistic? Just, it didn't go, it didn't go far, far enough. Like, you know, because like, they'd be like... The, the, the Hardy Boys would come back and be like, I know you think we're crazy, Dad. And he'd be like, no, 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 I believe you. I trust you guys. And like, it would have been funny if everyone was, like, acting like, you guys need to go to the mental hospital. <laughs> like, that never, like, like there's never, like, end, like, it doesn't feel like the stakes are that high. Like, worse comes to worse than this. They don't find a missing man. Okay, well, he was already missing. And, and then, he'll probably just die alone. He'll probably die alone. And, and then the other thing is that, you know, maybe Frenton Hardy doesn't get this contract with this, Science, you know, scientific firm. So his career is wrecked. His reputation. Yeah, that's is shattered. that's good. one one bad one bad thing is definitely going to wreck somebody's career like that. And no, I mean it, it, the stakes don't feel high. The stakes feel very low. It's Cold War drama. The Russians and the Soviets. The Russians and the Soviets. The Russians and the Soviets yeah. and the Chinese. Just like in Ryan's song. are you going on about i think we need to figure out what's wrong with anya greenlee's husband i think that's what the detectives need to figure out oh that comment i made got under your skin you keep referencing it oh i'll be referencing it for some time mister <laughs> you're gonna see you're gonna see mysterious people following you around wearing trench coats and hats they're gonna figure out what's going on with you So, they lost. They were supposed to follow Hoppy Hopkins from Sanford and Son. They lose him. And so they have to, because of the UFO. And so they have to go and tell their dad, guess what? We lost Officer Hoppy Hopkins because we saw a UFO. <laughs> How does that go? Well, well... How do we even set this up? Uh, Fenton Hardy says something very concerning. <laughs> he, well, should we well, just play the clip? Okay. Then what would you say if I told you that we were run off the road by a disc, a flying disc? Oh, man. <clears throat> I'd say that's the best story I heard since the F you got in volleyball was because your shorts were too tight. They were. I made, Kevin, I made Kevin film that. Also, the crackling in the background is our fire. It's not we're stepping on a bubble wrap or something. <laughs> Speak for yourself, sister. But he he chortles he chortles with unfeigned delight at the memory of his son wearing two short volleyball shorts. Two tight volleyball <laughs> shorts, even worse. And I want to know how how why did they put that in there? So, so, he's, so he's saying, son, you thinking you see a flying disc reminds me of that time you said your performance as an athlete suffered because your testicles hurt. <laughs> Is that why you never became a big athlete? <laughs> Isn't that what he's saying? I, I, yeah. Yeah, he is. And I just, just. 
Either that or he's suggesting uh, he was a bad volleyball player because the shorts went up into his uh, the crack of his behind. Either one. Yeah, wedgie. Either one. I don't want to think about. I it, I don't want to think about it. I don't know what father wants to think about that with their son. And finds it funny. Something to never bring up again. I, I don't recall my father ever laughing about, oh, Kevin, remember that time your balls hurt? And God knows there were many times where that affected Kevin's performance on the volleyball, f- on the volleyball squad. <laughs> what did what did you make of it? Uh, it's it just seemed like a very bizarre line. And what would the female version of it be? What if you went to your mother and said, "Mom, I saw a flying disc," and she laughed and she said, "Anya, that reminds me of the time you." Let's just not even fill in those blanks. Let's just keep moving. <laughs> it, ju- it was just one of those really creepy, awkward lines that you're like, why did they put this in here? And at this point, not the not the UFO, not the badly drawn fake UFO. This scene with the weird shorts comment is what ke- prompted Kevin to turn to me. Kevin, a man who has never done more than really sample alcohol. In his life, never, never really had a drink, full drink. I've had a sip occasionally. You've had a sip occasionally early in your twenties because people were trying to get you into it, and you're like, just fuck this. Haven't had, haven't had even a, a sip for a decade. Turns to me and says, "You know, I'm usually the last person to say this, but I think I really need a drink." <laughs> and fortunately for everyone, there's no alcohol in our house, so that's that's fine. But. I mean, and we did need, and we needed a break. I, uh, you know, Kevin got me some tea at this point. We kind of had to like stop, reassess what we're doing in life and then just move on. And I think that's what we're going to have to do right here. <laughs> cause I, I can't even joke about this cause it just sounds so weird and fucked up. <laughs> Remember your shorts were too tight. Like what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Good God. So I have a feeling that this is the line you're going to be quoting. I'm going to come in and say, oh, Anya, uh, I got a flat tire in the car. You're going to laugh and say, oh, Kevin, this reminds me of that time your shorts were too tight. Kevin, there have been very many tight shorts incidents in your life. so Especially since I met you and you started doing my clothes shopping. <laughs> <laughs> we know what Mama Ani likes. Oh, my God. I just like to objectify you all day. Which I mentioned to the detective. Oh, so is the so the so the detective. It's all part of the puzzle. It's all in his files. <laughs> That's right. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Oh my god. So then they do one of those things where we see a shot of the Hardy brothers' van driving on a road. And there is a post-production voiceover added. 
they do that a lot on this show. It, it makes you feel like they like they they would do the episode, shoot them, and realize, oh fuck, we didn't explain what was happening here, so then they need to like add in this some expository dialogue. Yeah. Love to see that. <laughs> you, know, it's the mark of a quality. Um, so they go visit the the place where the Soviet scientist worked, and they see Hoppy Hopkins. He's not Hopkins Soviet. He's an American. Wasn't he born in the Soviet Union? Oh, no, you're right. I guess I wasn't. Thank you. Oh, whatever. Yeah, one of us pays attention. One of us gives a damn. I certainly, that person certainly is not me here. So they have basically a worthless conversation with Hoppy Hopkins. Who's never in it again, doesn't show up again. Yeah. but He got his money. He's out. I note this because in this scene, uh, Sean Casty is wearing... A diff- he's wearing a sweater as opposed to his blue shirt. And then in the next scene, he's wearing the blue shirt again. So is it like his favorite shirt he's wearing a lot? Or was it just a sloppy day at the production studio? The continuity person was out sick? Who's to say? This is the kind of stuff we're talking about to avoid talking about the plot of the episode. <laughs> Kevin's Kevin's fumbling around looking for shirts and shit. That's how bad it is. Pretended to talk to detectives about me. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretending. It's all it's all in good fun. Don't go looking at the bank statement. Kevin, I, I hope I hope the detective didn't make you pay him up front. Because <laughs> if he did, I think you're in for a big surprise. You think I was taken by a con artist playing a confidence game? I, th- I think you're good for it. He seemed to know what he was doing. He had some pretty uh, on-point comments. For all I know, you were hallucinating the detective. The detective looked exactly like you, and you were talking with him, and he was just you in a little fedora, and then he told you to leave money somewhere, and then you in your fugue state picked it up, and it's just all been some sort of, like, you tailing yourself kind of situation. Yeah, that's what it is. That's exactly what. You don't need to worry your pretty little head about any of it. Oh, my pretty little head. Go fuck yourself. It's all just a joke. Yeah. I'll get my Anya private detectives on you. <laughs> Tailing each other. So they go out to this house in the woods. Well, before they do that, they have a com- they, they're back of the house. He's wearing the, the shirt again. And he has a conversation with his dad. And it's like late at night. And uh, let's all just go to bed. And then uh, a few minutes later, uh, the aunt who's apparently not the housekeeper, goes and tells Fenton, I heard the boys take off in the van. And he says, oh, yeah, I, I was wondering when they decide to do that. Go get high. So then they go into the woods where they see an old man. And, of course, their first instinct is, let's get him. Let's chase him. <laughs> let's terrify this oldster. So they chase him, and he kind of, they they lose him because they're, they're really bad at their work. <laughs> Because an enfeebled old man can get away from them easily. Do you think an enfeebled old man could get away from you easily? Well, I know an enfeebled old man can't get away from you because I've tried. I keep, I keep, dra- I keep dragging you out. <laughs> you, you try to escape out the front door like Lanny sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> you know if you leave that door open, I'm just heading for the hills. You're bolting. <laughs> Oh, man, got to put in an electric fence or something. But they can't find him. And they say, oh, here's a house. Maybe he's in this house. So here's the thought. Why don't we break into this house? Sure, it's illegal. It's unethical. It's probably a bad idea. If there's anyone in the house who's not affiliated with the old man, we're just terrify them. They'll probably call the police on us. We're getting all sorts of problems. But let's do it. What's the worst thing that could happen if we break into this house in the middle of the woods, Goldilocks style? You speak like a man whose house was broken into by two teenage sleuths. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about this damn house. So they walk in and it seems like, okay, furnished. They go upstairs, they go into a room and things seem a little off. Once Joe is alone he starts hallucinating that he's shrinking and that the house, the, that the room is growing bigger, Alice in Wonderland style. So, you know, 
sans, sans a white rabbit. And so he starts screaming. And at this point in the episode, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Frank comes running back. You know, it doesn't repeat itself for him. So it's like, okay, maybe Joe's just crazy. Then they step into another room, and they're outside in the wilderness, in front of a green screen, really, and a wolf starts chasing them. A very obvious green screen. Very obvious green screen. And then they run into another room, and uh, uh, Frank falls through the floor. <laughs> That's the end. Hence our title, The Disappearing Floor. So, have you read the book, The Disappearing Floor? Is it the same plot? If I probably have, but it's so long ago that I don't remember it. I think you'd remember this. Who knows? There were UFOs, and it's one thing to read something and it'd be silly. It's another thing to see a bad green screen rendition of that. And and like, wouldn't your first thought be like, oh, first of all, like, oh, something screwy is going on here. Like, you know, like like. What did they think it was magic or something? I and there's, there's always something unhappy making when you see uh, the video quality gets a little bit different around the figures of Joe or, or Parker Stevenson or Sean Cassidy, if you will, and that's like the telltale sign. Oh, there's bad green screen work ahead. So there's no surprise. No. Like maybe if you walk into a room and your your buddy disappears down the floor, maybe that'd be shocking. But when you walk into the room and suddenly you're obviously on a green screen, you know there's going to be a bad green screen effect ahead. Yeah, and it's like I, I, I just it's like it's stupid, and you know it's going to have something to do with the evil company that they you know their dad is working for. Blah blah blah. Uh. Is it an evil company? Or, or, they just, or whatever, you know. Or do they just employ some evil people? They just employ some evil people, I guess. And basically, from there, Fenton Hardy decides to file a report with Alpha Tech, the company he's working for, where he's supposed to find the scientist. And he basically cites his son, saying, like, yeah, they saw a UFO, then they went into this place and joe shrunk down to a little tiny man in the room and then a wolf chased them and then they fell through a floor it just sounds like something a kindergartner would make up you know and he's understandably fired by the board of directors <laughs> so his sons have wrecked his career <laughs> sons wrecked his career and that's the end yeah i wish no um at some point you know in their investigation frank connects with a young lady who's Riding around the company headquarters in like an indoor car, like a golf cart, a golf cart, and uh, she reveals that she, she like kind of hints that she's related to some of the people involved here, like the old man who's missing, and also the one of the woman lady directors who has been talking with Fenton a lot and saying, "I don't believe you, and I'm not going to tell you what Project K is because it's it's proprietary." So on a side note, this this young lady. When we saw her on screen, you said, oh, she looks familiar. She did. So we looked her up on IMDb. She actually only had two credits, and this was her second credit. And can you imagine, like, dreaming all your life, I want to be an actress. I want to make it big. I want to make people happy through my art. You go to Hollywood. You wait tables. You wait for your big break. And finally, you get cast on a network television show in an important role. And it's the Hardy Boys. And then you never work again. Well, that a, poor woman. We wish her the best. Hope hope she had a happy life wherever she is. Jeez. Can you imagine how devastating that would be? You speak like a man who's had this happen to you. That poor young thing. What would you be your side character on the Hardy Boys? You're, like, you, you, hey, Kevin, we love your stuff. We love your attitude that you bring to everything. You can write your own role here. Write your own meal ticket. What do you want to do? Who are you? Let me think of what would what would your character? No, I don't. Be? I don't have anybody for me. I'm asking you. Who would you be on Nancy Drew? It'd kind of be fun to be the bad guy. So you like to give it to old Nancy? Well, I what? <laughs> <laughs> or do you like Nancy to expose you at the end? No, I mean, like, I mean, I don't know. Being the bad guy in general can be kind of fun. But if I was gonna be a good guy, I would be to preserve my image. <laughs> I guess I would be. There's always like a kind of a, I mean I'm I'm not that old but like there's always a confused old woman in Nancy Drew. 
Nancy Drew often does a lot of services for the elderly where they're like going to get kicked out of their house or someone's trying to make them sound crazy and you know shit like that's always happening so I, I feel like I'd be good at that because I you know me like I, I I can't I can't keep any of my shit straight like I'll be like oh I put this paper down here and now it's gone you know you could really you could really do a number on me if you were trying to like get my house because it's on an oil reserve or something so I, I would be I would be born to play that role. <laughs> See, I think you would be Nancy is like vacationing in some town and some mystery has come up involving people in the local community. She can't make heads or tails of it because she doesn't understand who all the players are. And she decides, you know, maybe what I should do is go speak to the editor of the small town paper. Oh, that'd be fun. That'd be you. And I'd, I'd just be in there for a, an expedition dump scene that no one would pay attention to. Now, now, who would I be in the Hardy Boys? No, 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 no. You need to pick. You're and writing ask- your own check in Hollywood. You're writing your. You're gonna. You're gonna. They're gonna. They come to you. You need a pick. Let me ask you this: How old am I? Am I my current age? Because <laughs> I would really limit my options. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? You would uh, you be- like a like a fifty. I'm I'm fifty. A 50-year-old man can't just be palling around with Joe and Frank without raising some eyebrows. <laughs> so I, I think my time in the Hardy Boys universe has come to an end. I think I've missed my chance. I don't. Let's... <laughs> now you just made the whole thing fucking weird. I'm taking your question seriously. You could be their dad's friend, I guess. So I'm their dad's friend, and I come to I come to them to discuss a problem I'm having with my wife. <laughs> I'm fuck you. Go fuck yourself. No, you no. Write your little character. I just did. I'm their dad's friend. I can't. Be, I can't. He, be, I can't know? be. I can't be hanging out. You're not with, hanging. You don't have to hang out with. I. I was. An, I'm an editor. I don't, she comes to me and I just give her, I give her the scoop. You know, I don't, you could, you could be someone like that. You don't have to like go and be like, let's go hang out at the roller derby. I mean, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) You're really overthinking this. I'm their dad's friends. I guess, I guess I used to work with uh, Fenton on the force. On the force. Oh my God. Officer Greenlee. No, that's, that's my idea. And And then you don't, what do you do? Who are you in the episode? Are you the secret bad guy? I, I don't want to be exposed by the Hardy Boys. <laughs> I'm 50 years old. <laughs> sounds, you're making it sound very weird. You're making it sound very questionable. Uh, Maybe Fenton's old partner on the force. I've recently retired, been going through my files. There's this case that's always haunted me. And I want the Hardy Boys to help me solve it. Aww. Now, I told you, I gave you my version of a character for you, Nancy. Now, you give me your version of a character for me and the Hardy Boys. I would say you would be, they go into a new town and you're you're the prosecutor there. And you're not too happy with them fucking around. But then you have to give them credit at the end where they do solve it. For a minute, I thought you were going to say they go into a town out <laughs> west and I'm the prospector. It's <laughs> a little miner. <laughs> Digging for gold. Miner 49er. That's right. <laughs> Get off my land, you claim jumpers. You're big. I could do that. When back when you had a, a Unabomber beard, you could have really you could have really won that part. No questions <laughs> asked. You were born to play that role. Yeah, I could do that. I can grow the beard again. Maybe we can get you one of those uh, master class passes about acting or something. I don't want to be an actor. <laughs> All right. I don't want to be an actor. Okay. So I guess that's, we don't have to worry about this. I don't have the theater in my blood also, the way the you Hardy do. Also, the Hardy Boys Nancy Drew Mysteries have been off for uh, decades, so. Wasn't there a recent revival in like Hulu or something? of The Hardy Boys? Oh, was there? Wasn't there? Yeah, that sounds familiar, and I know CBW is a Nancy thing, but so there's still hope. No, there isn't, because this is a this is a very specific show. Your editor character 
could fit in anywhere, anytime. I don't want it to. You definitely have that Perry White vibe. What, I'm going to start yelling at people? <laughs> you just did a great example bragging being, about how good you are at yelling at people. Being unreasonable. <laughs> hey, he said, Kevin, I'm much better at yelling than you. And then I suggest the Perry White vibe, you get all offended. Now I know what you what you went to the detective about. You're like, my wife keeps on saying, don't call me chief. And Great Caesar's ghost. And yelling at people who aren't there. I think she's becoming Perry White. <laughs> TV's Perry White. <laughs> John Hamilton. Who we actually, we didn't realize he was in the Maltese Falcon. Another movie we saw recently. I don't think we've discussed it yet. We haven't discussed it yet, but that'll be an upcoming episode. Oh, have I just dropped a spoiler, as the kids say? Yeah, as the kids say, exactly. Oh, I better bounce. Oh my god. You're slaying. Um, so, should we just wrap this up? Well, there's so much plot left to cover. Not really. Oh, we were uh, riding the golf cart with that lady. Yeah, and then the and then security gets both of the Hardy Boys, and then they make they make them wait at the front desk for their dad to pick them up and take responsibility for them, like they're fucking five. Embarrassing. That's really humiliating. Humiliating. That's the kind of shit that lands you in therapy right there, happening right before our eyes. And then you know, and then we got to Benton Hardy gets fired because he's asking too many questions about what the project is that they're concerned about and what you know what the what project was this missing guy working on so then there was something i i feel like i may have missed something because like right after this everybody is looking at a cube that has a crude image of a ballerina in it yes i i i, I, I don't know what that was either it just kind of appears and then say oh this is a hologram hey wait a minute holograms then- why i bet no, hmm. but it couldn't. But of course, yeah, it's their holograms that they were seeing in the house was holograms, very sophisticated holograms, so so sophisticated that they'll make millions of dollars because it'll help the army scare people with fake soldiers or something. And I didn't, I didn't understand. That. Yeah, and uh, and there was a scene you found disturbing. Yeah. Fenton's looking at the ballerina holograms like really excitedly, and I'm just like, this feels, this is shades of, uh, of Chewy Chewbacca's dad in the Star Wars Christmas special, looking at the little singers and like having a weird. He's looking at this ballerina with like naked, raw longing, desire, (laughs) raw desire, intense desire. And then shortly thereafter, we see him asleep with his feet up <laughs> and a big smile on his face. <laughs> yeah, the implications are disturbing, folks. The implications are disturbing indeed. How desperate must he be to be so excited <laughs> by this crude hologram? Of a ballerina dancing around men what does that mean? Sexualize everything. I've never sexualized a hologram to the best of my knowledge. <laughs> yeah, you had to add in that lawyerly addendum to say you're off the hook if I find something For, for all I know, with this, this shockingly good hologram technology, you could be a hologram right now. What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> exactly. Is that why you went to the detective? You want to see if I'm a hologram? That's really haunted you, that remark about me going to the detective. Well, I just love the image. Yeah. Me skulking to the detective's yeah. office. I got you got to help me figure out this mystery about my wife. See, if I had hologram technology, great. I could I could kind of trick you a bunch of times and then go off and do my own thing. Which is why I need to hire go a detective. Off and, and go off and take care of my own concerns. Ooh. Keep so, you, so keep you entertained here, having a whole full blown conversation with someone who's not really present. I'm used to that. <laughs> so what would you be sneaking out and doing? Oh, no, well, never you mind. You have to hire another detective for that. See, maybe that's why sometimes people are detectives with their brothers, because you know, 
new problems keep cropping up and you need different people to handle different, you know, you know, legs of the table almost. Yeah, I, I can see you like tricking me with a hologram to keep me in like the office. Mm -hmm. And then you're just in the front room reading an Nancy Drew book. Exactly. Going out, doing some shopping, relaxing. Buying hats. Taking a nap. Exactly. Buying some hats. I, you know, I think, I think these hologram folks are onto something. <laughs> Keep your husbands entertained all day. Oh, it takes more than a hologram to entertain the likes of me. Oh, yeah, you're all man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I don't know. If you don't know you're talking to a hologram, then that could be all you need. Next, and next thing, I, I, I'm going to, then I'll come back. And you won't be paying attention to my hologram. You'll be looking at a weird little ballerina hologram with lust on your face. And it'll blow up in my face. See, what would probably happen is you trick me with a hologram, but the Kevin you trick is itself a hologram. Oh my god, we're both, it's like. We're both going to, I got a hologram, so I sneak out and get custard, and I run into you there. It's like the pina colada song, <laughs> but with holograms. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. And then it turns out Lanny was just a hologram the whole time. We don't know what original dog was there, but at this point, she's long flown the coop. So they end up going back to the haunted hologram house, and a hullabaloo ensues where they uh, are going through all the different rooms. Who's, who's Chef Bogard? What? <laughs> He said they talked to a girl who was a fella with Chef Bogard in the background. I don't even fucking know. <laughs> I, I obviously meant to, to write something else, but it must there, be. There was a scene where they talked to this woman who was driving the golf cart and they, they, at, a, oh, at I... a pizzeria. And there's a guy making a pizza behind <laughs> And apparently he was Chef Bogard. <laughs> I, I didn't know his backstory. I intended to write Chef Boyardee because this guy is wearing the biggest chef's hat you've ever seen in a fucking film. It, it's huge. And you were pointing that out too. So obviously, like, I spelled it wrong. Okay, I'm sorry. Writing it quickly, but that was supposed to be Chef Boyardee. <laughs> oh, good old Chef Bogard. Locally known master of the kitchen. Um, but yeah, they had, they break into this house with uh, with a secret tunnel, and they see that the missing scientist is being kept there under threats and trickery or something. And it's all holograms. And that's pretty much the end of it. Yeah, they have a extended scene with two police talking to the hologram of the villainous woman who was behind it all, who was an executive for the company who just wanted to get the money, and it doesn't go anywhere, and it just drags on and on, and and then. And then the episode, mercifully, finally ends. And as we said, it ends with uh, Sean Cassidy taking this man's granddaughter down to the basement to have sex with her. <laughs> with her granddad just sitting up there. I bet Fenton's going to say, hey, you want to see a hologram? <laughs> You're going to show him his little cube. You people are sex maniacs. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this episode as it compares to other episodes in this series that we've watched it's a bad show and it was a bad episode of a bad show what's the best episode of the show that we've seen does i don't mean good i just mean good for this show i think we talked about the episode uh the lady at five a tuesday is that the one where uh with veteran character actor joseph cotton yeah uh yeah no 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 joseph cotton is in the one What's the name of that one? Arson and Old Lace. Yeah, that was a pretty good episode. No, it wasn't. It wasn't dull. It made sense. I understood the motivations of the characters. The characters behaved rationally. No one was masturbating to cubes of ballerinas. <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you think was a good episode of this program? I don't know. I think I like some of the Nancy Drew ones. Those felt a little more grounded. They always do a lot of spy shit with the Hardy Boys. I thought the ones... I thought the it's ones... how to be grounded. We don't have a floor. 
Oh my god, that's a good one. I'd say that if you are going into the disappearing floor expecting a good mystery, this show will leave you floored. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up Hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out two as T-O.